Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you don't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 28. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 28. After today, we only have three more messages before we take a pause in this series and pick it back up later. We're going to pick it up or leave off as soon as Saul dies and David hears about it. And we'll pick it back up uh, towards the end of the year where, where David actually becomes king and his adventures while he is king. But we're leading up to the time where Saul dies and David becomes the king, and after tonight, there are only three more messages. Sunday morning, we're going to deal with the idea that David encouraged himself in the Lord, and we're going to talk about biblical depression. On Sunday night, we're going to deal with the idea with the death of Saul and touch a little bit on suicide. Again, a lot of these lean towards counseling. And then David, when he hears the news on next Wednesday night that Saul is dead and how he responded to it. And each of these, again, lead more towards counseling because we're uh, dealing with real people suffering through real things. And what is the Bible answer to these things that they're going through? As we approach tonight, just to give you the disclaimer up front, we are tackling one of the most controversial passages in all of the Word of God. Even one that people who don't go to church will refer to this. This is one that has lots of controversy, a lot of discussion, a lot of opinions. And we're going to do our best to stick with what the Bible says and dealing with this issue. So turn with me if you don't mind. Hopefully your interest is now peaked. Turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 28. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 28, and notice with me in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou as surely that thou shalt go with me to battle thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of my head forever. Now Samuel was dead and all Israel lamented him and buried him in Ramah even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. Then when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said unto him, Behold, there was a woman that hath a familiar spirit in Endor. 
And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went. And two men went with him. And they came to a woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit. And bring him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore, then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall be no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up to thee? And he said, Bring me up. Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake unto Saul and said, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said saw unto Saul, I saw God's ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And he said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Saul, Wherefore dost thou ask of me, seeing that the Lord is departed from thee, and is thy, become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done unto him, as he had spoken to me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thy hand, and give it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord also deliver Israel with thee unto the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow shall thou and thy sons be with me. And the Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway. All along the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. And the woman came unto Saul and saw that he was sore troubled and said unto him, Behold, thy handmaiden had obeyed thy voice. And I have put my life into thy, my hand and have hearkened unto thy words which thou spakest unto me. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thy handmaiden, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, and thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman compelled him, and he hearkened unto their voice. And so he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. And the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and killed it, and took flour and kneaded it, and did break unleavened bread thereof. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. And they rose up and went away that night. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28? The book of 1 Samuel chapter 8, and notice with me in verse 6 the phrase, The Lord answered him not. The Lord answered him not. 
if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's talk to him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that you are a real God. And that as we talk to you, we know according to your word that you hear us. We know according to your word that you do answer us. I'm asking, Lord, that you would help someone tonight. Because we know that you have set different conditions where you said you will not hear. I'm asking that you would just help us to discern them. Help us to understand this passage that caused many people difficulty. That we could go through it and that we could get to the heart of the matter. And that the end result is that we all come closer to you because of what you have written in your scripture. Tonight I need your Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with your spirit. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you. I give you myself to use however you see fit. And that you could get across by your precious spirit to give understanding to this passage and apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter 28, as I mentioned before, this is one of the most controversial passages all of Scripture. It is one that is discussed, dissected, posted about, argued about, fought about, all kinds of things about this passage, just because of the idea it's dealing with a subject that most Christians are uncomfortable about, witchcraft. It deals with the idea of a seance. It deals with the idea of the dead. And most of the time, it goes beyond our little bubble that we put in our head. Our little safe bubble and our little way of thinking. And this is one where people throw things up and we don't have an answer for sometimes. Well, if you don't mind, let's just take the Bible as it is and see what the Bible says and try to explain it. As we also go into this, I want to also preempt this. That 1 Samuel chapter 28 is out of chronological order of what has happened. Technically, chapter 29 and 30, dealing with David, happens before this passage. This passage happens the day before Saul dies. Or at least the idea that he's approaching the witch of Endor. And so it's out of order. So why did God make this out of order? Because this is a comparison between two men. It is a comparison between Saul in chapter number 28 and David chapter 29 and 30. That both of them at this time are out of God's will. Both of them are seeking their own hearts and not God's will. Both of them need to get right. And both of them are suffering through depression. Now, Saul has been there for a while. He's what we call a manic depression, going through all three uh, different types of depression, going back and forth, whatnot. So Saul has dealt with this for a while. Uh, but both of them are depressed. Both of them have anxiety. Both of them have obstacles in their way. Both of them have some hard times coming up. And what's happening is that God is doing a comparison and he starts off with Saul and saying, here's the bad example. Here's the example here of someone who refuses to get right with God. Then what happens is that God gives us the example of David and shows the horrible time he's in, show that he's depressed, shows what he's up against, and then shows how he encouraged himself in the Lord and responded to God properly to show us that if you continue the way you are, you're going to end up like Saul. 
But if you get right with God and turn into Him, there's hope. And God can deliver you. And so it's a comparison. So these run together. But tonight, let's put our attention on Saul. And let's see this. And this big, bold statement that is actually said a couple different times in here. The Lord answered him not. Doesn't that phrase put a chill up your bone? To think that he's asked of God. And God answered him not a word. That he's cried out to God and said, God, help. And God has nothing. A dial tone. Snow and static for those before cable and streaming services. We had something called snow where you turn the channel and got nothing. 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 It's empty. No one's responding. What a horrible thing to try to get a hold of heaven and get nothing back. If you don't mind, look with me and let's examine this passage. The first thing I'd like to show you is Saul's time of trouble. Saul's time of trouble. Now, many things are starting to line up against Saul during this time. We see that it starts off in verse 1 and 2 that David has joined the Philistines. Now, we're looking at it Paul's, at Saul's perspective. Saul knows that David is a great warrior. And he just joined the enemy. David, who slew Goliath. David, who slew 200 Philistines when he only had to kill 100 Philistines and just doubled it just to show he could. David, the mighty warrior. It's one thing when Saul's chasing him out in the wilderness with a ragtag band. It's another thing when he's facing an enemy that he can't conquer. And Saul's not happy. The, David's joined the other side. Beyond that, notice what is happening. The... Uh, Samuel has died. Now, Samuel has died before, but what is happening in this passage is God is placing emphasis that Samuel is dead. That Samuel, as he appears later, isn't just uh, a pre-recording. It isn't Samuel's been actually hiding and he comes out and reveals himself. Hey, it was me. Samuel's dead, and it says it all throughout the last couple chapters, trying to put emphasis, Samuel is dead. Samuel was the only one really keeping Saul in line for a long time. He was the moral compass. He was the one that got a hold of God. In fact, as you study the passage, almost every time that Saul prayed, it was because Samuel was there. And if Samuel's not there, he doesn't pray. If Samuel's not there, he doesn't look for God. And now that he's looking for God, Samuel's dead. So David has joined the enemy. Samuel is dead. And then verse number 4 and 5, the Philistines are now marching on him. And Saul is sore afraid. It's not just minor fear. He thinks this is the end. This is it. What am I going to do? That God has got him to the place where Saul has no way out. There's no negotiating. There's no way out. There's no David to help him out. There's no one to come to his rescue And he is sore afraid. And it says his heart trembled. He's in the midst of a depression now. He's in the midst of great fear. He's in the midst of hopelessness. And helplessness. Because of the situations that are around him. And the worst thing of all. God is not answering. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord. So Saul finally gets and says, God, I need help. Nothing. 
Saul, God, this is Saul, please help me. Nothing. Notice this. It says, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. Notice this, first of all, neither by dreams. So God did not answer him directly. Now, we know that God does not speak to us in dreams today. But in the Old Testament, in order to record scripture, that was some way he revealed it. Remember, there wasn't much scripture written at this time. But it carries the idea that directly God didn't lead him. The Holy Spirit didn't speak to him. He wasn't led by anyone. Uh, God didn't prick his heart. Didn't Nothing. Nothing. God didn't answer him directly. Notice this. Nor by the Urim. You say, what in the world is the Urim? A lot of people ask that. An Urim was something that the high priest had. And the high priest had a bag. Most of us who study the Bible have an idea that it's almost like a white rock and a black rock and that you draw from it and that the high priest is able to kind of determine. The problem is, why isn't God answering him through the ermine? He killed the high priest. And he killed the other priest. Remember, he sent Doag and he not only killed the priest, but he killed the whole town. Well, and the other, the new high priest is with David. Well, that didn't work out. He can't get a hold of God because there's no one to talk to him for him. He can't go to the high priest. He killed them all. Well, that's a problem. So God's not speaking to him directly. He can't get answers by the Urim because <laughs> they're not there. Notice what else. Nor by the prophets. This is important because Samuel had been running a Bible institute training men for the ministry called the School of the Prophets. And everyone saw how Saul had treated Samuel. And so when he went up to one of the preachers and said, Here, preacher, tell me what to do. Mm, I'd rather not. I mean, if you were a preacher, knowing that he killed all the high priests, knowing how well he treated Samuel, would you be inclined to really talk to Saul and tell him what God said? Probably not. So they're all like, ah, we'll disappear and not answer the door. So... Nobody, he can't get, a hold of, can't get a hold of anybody. God's not answering him directly. The priest can't help. The preachers can't help. The word of God, he's not turning to that. He's helpless. He needs God's answer now because he now has no answers. He is hopeless. He is helpless. He is fearful. And God is not there. By the way, let's pause. Whose fault is that? Is that God's fault? Not at all. Do you know that God could have spoken to Samuel if he would have just got right? The problem is, is that Saul wanted answers from God without getting right. And God doesn't work that way. God does not meet us on our terms we meet him on his terms. But you know, this is where a lot of people are at. As a preacher, I talk with people and people said, yeah, I tried prayer and it didn't work. Well, the problem is you're trying, trying it, just kind of test it, work, whatever. But God doesn't meet us on our terms. We have to go on his terms. Amen. So for someone to say, God, I need a brand new truck. Well, God didn't answer my prayers. He's not a real God. People do that. And they tell me about it. And they said, well, I can't get a hold of God through that way. It doesn't work. Well, the problem is, is them, not God.
Notice, if you don't mind, as we go more into this passage, not only Saul's time of trouble, but we see that Saul's searching for God. So here's Saul. Trouble's around him. He doesn't know what to do. God's not answering him directly. The high priest and the priest are gone. The preachers aren't approaching him, aren't talking to him. What do I do? Well, he thinks back in his noodle and says, you know, the only time I really got a hold of God was with Samuel. Well, the problem is Samuel's dead. But he goes, you know what? The only time I got a hold of God was Samuel. So if I could somehow get Samuel, that's the idea. Let's get Samuel back. Well, that's a tall order because he's dead. How do we get him back? And so he turns to a witch. Now, as we lead up to this, an interesting thing is that Saul is the one who made it against the law for witchcraft. Now, he was probably doing it to please Samuel or he's doing it to maybe curry God's favor. But he said, all right, no witches are allowed in Israel. No witches. Nobody who uses magic. Nobody who does wizard. Nobody who has a familiar spirit. A familiar spirit, by the way, if you're not familiar with it, is an idea of a extra planar being, like a devil or a demon, some power who kind of sits with you. Some witches believe in having black cats and that they believe that, that uh, they're empowered in there. You know, the old type of thing. But they have a, a spirit or something that guides them to use the magic to get a hold of things. And may I pause right here? You say, do you believe in magic? I do. There is a spiritual war world out there. God doesn't ever say that witchcraft doesn't exist. He says, don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Stay away from it. Stay far away from it. And may I put a little thing here? Ouija boards are evil. They are a gateway to allow satanic attack. Get rid of it. Do you know that Harry Potter is evil? I'm going to step on toes now. Harry Potter is endorsed by England by the English National Coven of Witches. They say everyone needs to watch Harry Potter so we can get more witches. Stay away from it. It is a gateway. It is open. That's why the Bible says stay away from it. It is an open door. Why do we warn against it? Because it's not real? No, because there's something to it. Same way why people hate Christianity. Well, they hate Christianity because it's not real? No, they hate it because it is real. Because there's something to it. And God is saying stay away from it. Why would God say stay away from it? Because God wants us to depend on his power, not on the power of something else. And that's what witchcraft does, is teach people to rely on another power other than God. And again, this is why this passage is so controversial, is because it's stuff that people don't want to discuss. There is stuff out there that you should not mess with that is very, very real. What is the best advice? Is it to study it? No, stay away from it. Don't study it. A Christian should not study. But should I be familiar? No, because what it does is make you more curious where you want to learn more and it draws you in. It draws you in. Someone said this, the older I get the less clearly I can see in the dark, but the more clearly I see the dark. The older I get, the less clearly I see in the dark, but the more clear I see the dark. Stay away from that dark. 
You don't look in it. Stay away from it. I'm doing it for your protection. I'm, not, I'm trying to keep you away from it. But Saul had made it outlawed. Good job, Saul. It's outlawed. But the problem is, is that when people cannot get a hold of God through religion, religion lets people down, by the way. True Christianity is not religion. Religion is a system of works. When people go through religion and don't find God, they're not turned off from God. They're turned off from religion. They will seek God or a higher power through some other means. People are spiritual beings. You say, well, no one uses Ouija boards. Oh, yeah? We had a first lady who ran for president who loved to do seances to talk to Eleanor Roosevelt to give her advice. You understand, we live in a very religious, spiritual society. And people are looking for God. And if they don't find God through religion or the way that they think, they will look for God some other way. Astrology, witchcraft, seances. They'll look for something somewhere. And that's exactly what Saul did. He could not find it by these other ways. And it was because of him, not these other ways didn't work. It was because he refused to get right. So now he's looking for God some other way. And so he does. He says, find me a witch. And surprisingly, some of the guys say, hey, I know where to find one. <laughs> okay, well, that's fishy. We'll take care of that later. But they said, yeah, there's a lady right over here. Let me give you her address. Okay, so he goes, but he disguises himself. He doesn't want to go make it look like Saul's going to go see a witch. I mean, that's bad juju. You don't want to talk about that. So he disguises himself and he starts talking to the lady. And the lady does the, um, the police officer thing, right? If you're a police officer, you got to tell me, right? I'm not want to get in trouble. Are you here legitimately? Are you here to bust me? You got to tell me if you're a police officer. She comes in, pretty much says the same thing. Are you here to get me busted? Are you here to get me out of trouble? And so Saul, notice this. This is baffling. Notice with me. Verse number eight. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went to other men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine me by a familiar spirit. He says, basically use a demon, a sorcerer to give me Samuel. That's baffling. But notice as he goes on. Verse number nine. And the woman said unto him, behold, thou knowest what Saul has done. Basically, you know what the law says. How we cut off those that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? You're just in here to give me a bus. This is a sting, isn't it? You're setting me up. <laughs> Verse 10. And Saul swear to her by the Lord. Notice that capital L-O-R-D. This is Jehovah. He says, I swear by Jehovah, the personal name of God. As Jehovah liveth, there should be no punishment that happened to thee for getting a familiar spirit to raise up one of God's servants. <laughs> I promise by God himself that you could go ahead and use a familiar spirit. And you're not going to get in trouble. Well, that doesn't make sense. But that's how desperate he is. He's, he's looking for anything that works. And verse number 11. And the woman said, who shall I bring up? And he said, bring me up Samuel. Now again, why is he bringing up Samuel? Because as he thought back in his mind, Samuel was his direct line to God. God would tell Samuel. Samuel would tell Saul. Saul needs something to tell him what to do. God's not talking to him, so give me Samuel. Now, here's where it gets tricky. You cannot raise someone from the dead. Seances don't work. 
You say, well, you just hate it Ouija boards. Yes, because there's something else on the other line and it is not a dead relative. There are spiritual forces out there. Don't mess with that stuff. <laughs> there's no such thing as ghost. You can't speak to dead relatives after they're gone. The Bible says that. You say, what happens to Saul? We'll or Samuel, we'll explain that in a second. But they do not have the power. First of all, if someone's up in heaven, they don't want to come back. And if they're in hell, they cannot come back. The Bible's very clear on that. So what are you left with? Demons. And oftentimes demonic forces will give people false hope by giving relatives. And if you see a dead relative somewhere, won't you be more interested in that than studying the Bible? Absolutely. That's what Satan likes to do. He likes to distract it. We see that in the book of Job, by the way. So again, I'm not trying to be spooky or stuff. I'm trying to declare the text and try to explain what it says. So what happens? Verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. You know why? She was more surprised than anyone because this stuff doesn't work. When she turned around, whoa, what happened? Who are you? What? She's freaked out. You know, which kind of gives credence. If uh, she was raising people up for a living, she wouldn't be surprised. She's just frightened. And Saul has to calm her down. You say, what's happening? Well, this is called supernatural. This is called a miracle. That God has summoned up Samuel just for this incident. You say, really? Well, remember he brought up Moses and Elijah to talk with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. So this is something that God did. He's trying to get a hold of Samuel. And remember the whole purpose of this. In your mind have it ready. The whole purpose of this miracle. Is to get Saul right with God. God's not doing it just because he's bored. He's not doing it to satisfy curiosity. There's a reason why he's doing it. God out of his loving grace is one last time. Trying to reach Saul. To draw him to himself. And we're going to see how Paul responds to this. If you don't mind, let's continue on. And let's see what happens. We see Saul, it starts off with Saul's time of trouble. Then we see Saul searching for Samuel. Now we see Samuel's prophecy for Saul. Notice with me in verse 15. And Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? That's a good question. Why are you bothering me? I'm dead. Why? I'm <laughs> And Saul just pours out his heart. I am sore distressed. That's the old-fashioned word for depression there. I'm sore depressed, distressed, ah, distressed. For the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by the prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called to thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I should do. Just tell me what to do, Samuel. You always told me what God wanted before, and all I had to do was just do whatever I wanted anyways, but just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Verse number 16. Then said Samuel, wherefore dost thou ask of me? Notice this. Seeing that the Lord is departed from thee and is become thine enemy. He says, man, let me tell you why God's not answering. You're the enemy. Think about that. To be told you're the enemy of God. Do you know how easy it is to become the enemy of God? 
James 4.4. 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's talking about not physical adultery, but spiritual adultery. Putting love and affection that, be, that belong to God to someone else. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whosoever shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You know why God's not answering him? Because he's the enemy. Saul is not looking for God. He's looking for himself. He has gone against God. God's trying to get something across. God's trying to get Samuel to the throne. Or David to the throne. And Saul keeps getting in the way. God, Samuel or Saul keeps getting in the way of God's will over and over. And when you get in the way of God's will. You by default are God's enemy. Because you're working against him. Not with him. And so Saul's the enemy. And he says, Samuel says, stupid. The reason why God's not answering you is because you're the bad guy in this story. You're the villain. That's probably news to Saul. He didn't realize he was the villain until now. You're the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Verse 17. And the Lord hath done to him as he spoke by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thy hand and give it to thy neighbor, even David. So Samuel says, hey, remember 12 years ago? Maybe a little bit longer than that. 12, 15 years ago, when I told you that because you messed up, that God's going to take your kingdom away and put, put it to your neighbor. That's David, by the way. Today's the day. Guess what? Tomorrow, you're dead. How do you like that? Nice to have message. Thanks, Samuel. I appreciate you coming up and telling me that. Verse number 18. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore the Lord hath done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will deliver Israel unto thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shall thou and thy sons be with me. And the Lord shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Now, verse 19 is powerful. That first of all, Samuel is going to... Is, uh, Samuel is dead. We know that. But Saul is going to die as well. But notice where he's going. Samuel said, tomorrow you're going to be with me. You understand as evil as Saul was, he had still accepted God and his promises and was what we would call saved. He's still going to paradise. You know where Saul's at right now? He's in heaven. Even though he was the bad guy, he was in heaven. Doesn't that give you some great hope? Oh, God's able to save to the uttermost. And even after we get saved, we can do stupid things. It doesn't mean there's not consequences, but we're still going to heaven. Isn't that a blessing? I mean, none of you as a Christian have sinned as bad as Saul, right? Uh, none of you have killed preachers. Uh, don't think about it now, but you, you understand? <laughs> Saul was a bad guy. And Samuel said, tomorrow you're going to be with me. Now, some people like to write it off and say, well, he just means you're going to be dead. No, I believe that he meant what he said. You're going to be with me. Tomorrow, you're going to be in paradise with me. When Jesus rises from the grave, we'll be in heaven together. We're going to be there. Well, he did get some hope. But what is, what is the purpose of this? The purpose of this is to get Saul right. Hold your finger here. and Turn with me to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 10. And I want you to see how... Uh, Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, about, let me think, 500 years later. All right? So history, kind of looking back at it, 500 years. That's 
it's a pretty long time. What does the Bible say 500 years to summarize Saul's life and his death? How would you like to see in 500 years what someone would say about you? Well, here we go. 500 years later, Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Chronicles chapter number 10, verse number 13, if you don't mind. 1 Chronicles 10 and verse 13. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord. He disobeyed the word of the Lord, which he kept not. So he didn't obey God's word. That's why he died. And for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. That he went somewhere else other than the way that God said to seek God. And God said, this is why he died. This incident here, God said, this was the last straw. You're done. Verse number 14, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew them and turned the kingdom of David unto God. This, the Bible here says this is why Saul died because he refused to go to God the way that God wanted him to. He went somewhere else. He tried to go to God his own way. And God said, that was it. You disobeyed God's word and now you come to me like this. You refuse to get right. And that's the whole big deal that Saul refused to get right. So now we come to the, to the end of it that we see uh, as a wrap-up that we see uh, Saul's last meal. So the witch, Saul falls down. He's weak. He hasn't eaten in a while. He's kind of depleted. And, of course, this is bad news. He gave up. <laughs> Samuel, his friend, the guy who always told him what God said, said, you're going to die tomorrow. He gave up. You know, his correct response should have said, Lord, please help me. I've forgiven. I, I, I'm a sitter. I messed up. That should have been the correct response. But he just gave up. And unfortunately, that's a fleshly reaction. That when someone rebukes you, you shut down and say, fine. And just That's it. I'm just not going to church no more. Oh, if that's how it is, I'm just not going to do this no more. That's how it is. I'm not. He just gave up. He quit. Threw a pity party. Quit. Wouldn't eat. They try to feed him. He's all weak. And the witch says, here, have some food. And his servants come in and say, boss, boss, man. Eat something. And so they kind of compel him. They kind of force him to eat food. You know, it's, you imagine a big king, six foot six, right? We, six foot six, six foot seven. This big old king, we understand that he's old right now. He's 70, 80 years old. Oh, just giving up. They have to kind of force feed him. Here, boss, eat something. The lady goes, kills her pet cow. Notice this is a cow that leaves, lives in her house. It's like her pets, like a cat or something. She kills him. Let's feed, feed it to Saul. I mean, she got to do something. So they feed him and Saul has enough energy to go out the next day and die. That's where we see Saul. What a horrible ending. But now I want to come to the crux of it. I never put this list together until now. But there are seven reasons according to the Bible, seven reasons why God does not answer someone. Now, we're not talking about just answer prayer. We're talking about when you try to talk to God and get nothing but static. When your prayers just bounce off the ceiling. When you just know they're not hitting home. There are seven reasons according to the Bible, and perhaps you'd like to write these down. Perhaps you'd like to have them for yourself, so that way when you come to the place where you're talking to God and and it's hitting nothing. By the way, you could tell those times. You could tell when you're actually talking to God. And you could tell when it's hitting nothing. So here are seven reasons. Seven biblical reasons. Why we get static. 
why God does not hear us. And we're not talking about answered prayer precisely, even though it includes that. We're talking about actually fellowshipping and talking to God himself. Seven reasons. The first one is sin. Is sin. The book of Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah and 59. Notice with me in Isaiah 59 in verse 1. Isaiah 59 and what verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Your sin makes it where God won't hear. You understand that Jesus Christ died to forgive us of our sins. So we can be forgiven of our sins. And once we're saved, we don't have to live in sin. That if we make a mistake, we have 1 John 5, 9. That if we can, or 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But when we have sin and we refuse to deal with it and we go to God, let's say that someone's watching pornography and they're stuck with pornography and it's in their life and they try to talk to God and God says, nope. Maybe someone stole something and God's convicting them to give it back and they try to talk to God and nothing. Maybe someone gossiped and God convicted over and they refused to get it right and they try to talk to God, nothing. When there's sin... And you refuse to get it right. God says, I won't hear. The only time that God will hear is when we finally say, God, I messed up. Please help me. That's what he's waiting for. He's not turning his back, turning his face, as the passage says, because, because he hates us. He's trying to get us to the point where we will finally be worn down and say, God, I just want to get right with you. Let me get rid of this sin. It's coming to the place where we love God more than that sin. We want God more than that sin. And so we got sin in our heart that we refuse to deal with. God's very clear. I will not hear. Isn't that true of Saul's case? He had sin in his life that he refused to get right. He had bitterness and hatred, which, by the way, is coming up. So we see sin. A second thing that we see, a reason why God will not hear us, is idolatry. Idolatry. What is idolatry? It is worshiping something else that is not God. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. The book of Ezekiel chapter 14. By the way, there's nothing wrong with possessions and there's nothing wrong with Facebook per se, but there's something wrong when possessions have us, when Facebook has us, when our video games have us, when our hobbies have us. That's the idea of idolatry. It's not just that, well, I don't worship big Buddha in my home. I don't have a big statue and rub his tummy and... That's not what it's talking about. It's something that you love more than God. Do you know that there's some people who love their children more than God? They made them idols. There are some wives who love their husbands more than God. They made them an idol. Some people love their job more than God. They made it an idol. You understand anything that you love and adore more than God is an idol. And God says, if you've got an idol in your life and you know it's an idol... And you'd rather worship and serve it than me? Notice what the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 14. Did I give you that already? Ezekiel 14? Ezekiel 14, notice with me in verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, 
These men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be quired at all by them? So another reason why God won't hear is idolatry. God has a sense of humor. And a couple other passages, he does something like this. Hey, remember that idol that you're serving? Now that you need help, why don't you go ask him for your help? Hey, you that loves the video game so much that you can't worship God. Hey, when it comes time to get your prayers answered, go to that video game. You love it. You serve it. Let him answer. Isn't that God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? No, no, no. You love that more. You go ahead and go talk to them. See if they'll help you out. See if it's, Go ahead. When it comes time, you go ahead and let your job. Don't, let's see if your job takes care of your answers. No, 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 no. Your wife. No, no, no. You love your wife more than me. Go ahead and see what she says. God has a sense of humor. Go, hey, you think they're God? You go talk to them. You let them answer your prayers. He says, should you be inquired of me? If you think someone else is a bigger God than me, go talk to them. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. I won't hear. I won't hear. You know, a modern thing. I talk to the hand. Don't talk to me. Go talk to someone else. Good. That's only one and two. We've got a couple more. Let's see what else the Bible says. Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Here's the stepping on toes one for those who are listening. 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 1. 1 Peter chapter 3 starting at verse 1. Likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating of hair and the wearing of gold. Or putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Which is in the sight of God of great price. After this manner. In the old time were holy men also, or holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection under their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, notice in verse 1 it says likewise ye wives. Verse number 7, likewise ye husbands. Likewise ye husbands dwell with them, who are we talking about? The wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of God. Notice this, that your prayers be not hindered. What is the third reason why the Bible says that God does not hear our prayers? Unsolved trouble in your marriage. Unsolved trouble in your marriage. If a wife is sideways with her husband, she is not right with God. If a husband is not right with his wife, he is not right with God. And God says, no, you guys need to fix that before you come up to me. That's some heavy duty stuff. This is where people live at because they have marriage problems and they can't go to God because they refuse to get right. And it goes worse and worse and worse and spirals down. The answer is that they need to get right with their spouse so they can be right with God. By the way, one spouse can be right and the other one be wrong. Your job is to be right so your prayers could get answered. Not wait for that old scumbag to get right. <laughs> Both, you know, you could be right with God whether he's right or not. 
You could be right with God whether she's right or not. <laughs> Notice as it goes on. So that's number three. What else does the Bible say that hinders our prayer? Makes it so God can't hear us. Turn with me if you don't mind to the gospel record of Mark chapter 11. The gospel record of Mark chapter 11. The gospel record of Mark chapter 11. And notice with me in verse number 25. This is Jesus saying himself. Gospel record of Mark chapter 11. Gospel record of Mark chapter 11. Notice with me verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. And comparing scripture with scripture, it carries the caveat too that God won't hear you. If you have unforgiveness to someone else, God says, don't bother talking to me until you get it right. Bitterness is something that keeps far away from God. Bitterness, of course, stems from unforgiveness. When you refuse to forgive someone, God says, I'm not going to talk to you because I forgave you of so much. And God has forgiven us of so much. You know, the person that offended you probably hasn't even done half the stuff to you that you did to God. And God still forgave you. That God forgives. But we have to go to God or we have to forgive others. Again, if we're not right with others, we're not right with God. And God won't hear us. God says, stop what you're doing now in the middle of your prayer and get it right now so I can hear you. So we could fellowship. So we could commune together. So an unforgiving spirit. What else does the Bible say that holds back our prayers? Turn with me to the book of Proverbs 21. The book of Proverbs chapter 21. We're winding down. You guys are doing well. And hopefully this is being a help. Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21. And notice with me in verse number 13. The book of Proverbs, chapter 21. These are important things. And again, why are we going through this? Why am I taking my time to go through this list? Because I want you to be heard of God. I want you to be able to talk with God. And there are some people that like Saul that said, I need to talk with God, but he's not listening. And Saul could have gotten right. And had that fellowship with God. Notice with me in Proverbs 21. Notice with me in verse 13. Proverbs 21 verse 13. Whosoever stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor. He also shall cry himself. But shall not be heard. When we. Closing our hearts to the needs of others. Closing our hearts to the needs of others makes it so God can't hear. Now, the, Jesus said the poor is going to be everywhere, and we know that we have to be discerning. We understand that there's different things. But the principle here, especially for a brother the Bible talks about, that if you see a Christian, someone in the church, that doesn't have groceries, and you have the finances to help them out, but you say, no, they're going to be on their own. Perhaps, you know, we should help them. Now, I understand God's trying to work with stuff. I'm talking about a real need. We should try to help them if we're able to. And if nothing else, help them to, uh, to move forward with their life. You know, they need help. But if we ignore them and don't care, it doesn't bother us at all that someone's starving, well, then we have an issue ourselves. 
when we stop our ears to the, to the uh, needs of others. There's one more, and this is the big one. Turn with me to the book of James. The book of James, chapter number one. Now, all the rest of it is physical sins. I mean, meaning that you told a lie, God's not going to hear you. You're mad at your wife, God's not going to hear you. Uh, you have an unforgiving spirit, God's not going to hear, hear you. you. That poor guy over there that you could help but you refuse to, God's not going to hear you. But here's the big one. The rest of this stuff are the ones we say, you know, I, I could easily take care of this. But here we go. The book of James chapter number one. The book of James chapter number one, and notice with me in verse number five. James chapter one and verse five. If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. But, notice that word but. Whenever you see the word but, it has the idea that it's a conjunction that brings to the opposite of. So verse number five, ask of God and he'll give you wisdom. May you say, I don't know what to do. He'll tell you what to do. But, but, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven in the wind and tossed. For let not the man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What it says here is a lack of faith. A lack of faith. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says... Let me just read it to you really quick. Uh, it says, Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is what? That he is God. That when you come to God, if you're going to have faith, you've got to believe that God is God. That means he can do anything. And that he, God, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The book of James says, if you go to God, don't waver and say, well, I don't know if you could do this or not. Well, God says, well, fine, then I won't. You know, most of our prayers are so puny and pathetic. Most of the time, we don't even pray for something specific because, you know, we don't want to make God look bad. God bless everyone. Well, he has blessed everyone. What kind of prayer is that? Well, just watch over so-and-so. He's always watching so-and-so, right? His eyes are on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. You know, those are generic prayers. God, just be with so-and-so. Well, he's always with so-and-so. Why not pray, God, get that person right. God, you do whatever it takes to bring that person to you. You think God will answer that prayer? Oh, you better bet. You bet you he will. So-and-so misses church and they didn't, they're just staying home slacking. God, go over so-and-so. Make them miserable. I've had many people say, preacher, are you praying for me? Yep, I can tell I'm so miserable. Well, get right! I pray mean. Get right. I mean... Isn't the best thing that happened to him? Treasures in darkness, the worst thing that can ever happen to someone can be the greatest thing that happened to someone if it draws them closer to the Lord? Absolutely. You know, pray specific. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with praying specific. 
If you need $4.39, pray for $4.39. Nothing wavering. Say, God, I need this. You know that God loves us? He loved us so much that Jesus died on the cross. Don't you think he'd give us $4.39 if we need $4.39? I meant, do you think, no, no, you died on the cross. You don't get any more. The ATM's closed. Pray. Pray specific. Pray by faith. Pray out big prayers that only God can answer. Pray so specific that you're looking forward to the answer. What's wrong with praying that sometime this week, Lord, give me the courage and the boldness, put someone in my path that I could ask the question to. Do you think God would answer that, question, uh, answer that prayer? So why can't we ask the question this week? You have not because you ask not. You understand? Most of our prayers are so pathetic, weak, and faithless that God says, I'm waiting for you to ask for something. Waiting. I mean, you go through your prayers, go through your regular prayer, and look back and say, did I even ask God of anything? I mean, Lord, let me wake up in the morning. Well, that's kind of a given, right? I mean, I'm glad that God wakes up in the morning, but you know, you go, woohoo, God answered my prayer, I'm alive. I mean, unless you're like sick and dying of cancer and, you know, I mean, most of you don't wake up and go, woohoo, God answered that prayer. I mean, we almost do it like wrote, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I mean, even our prayers, Lord, bless the food. Thank you for making it. Thank you through the hands that prepared it. Did you ask for anything? No. You just said some garbage just to kind of fill time. You, you understand what I'm saying? We don't ask for anything. And God says, and you wonder why you're not getting anything because you're not asking. And then when you want to ask, you're like, give God an out. Well, Lord, if it's your will, you know, that we're, give, we're giving God an out saying, well, guess it wasn't God's will. God says, well, no, 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 you didn't have any faith behind it. You didn't believe I was going to do it in the first place. You know how funny it is? Now I'm going a whole series of messages now. But you know, how many times are we actually surprised when God answers our prayer? More often we like to admit. Why? Because we're not used to asking for things. If you got used to asking for things, you'd almost expect God to answer it all the time. And we wonder why God doesn't hear. So as we come up tonight, if you do have sin, you need to deal with it. You need to take care of it. If you're not right with your pastor, you're not right with others, you're not right with your wife, you're not right with your husband, uh, you need to get right. If you've got sin in your life, lying, stealing, pornography, you go ahead and name it, get it right. But for others who may not be in the Saul position, that you can talk to God, what is the last thing you prayed for specifically that you're depending on God? And it has to be God, not talking about, well, God, I need some bread, and then you know you're going to go to Walmart tonight and go get bread. Who's answering that prayer? You or God? You are. What's the last prayer that you're praying for that it has to be God and God alone that does it. That if God doesn't answer it, you don't get it. What's, what are you praying for now specifically? Again, our prayers are so weak and pathetic. And God says, there's nothing to hear. There's nothing to answer to. I'm just hearing blah, 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 blah. Because you're not asking anything. Ask. Nothing wavering. Knowing that God is God and that he can answer. What is that big prayer that you're praying for now. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.